get sales lessons from experts and entrepreneurs. Go out there and be the spokesperson and the representative for the brand. On how you can bring your A game in selling. Making sales requires putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. To start and scale your business. We need to negotiate for what we deserve. This is Ace the Sales podcast and here's your host Roshni Burronia. Hey there, so happy to have you joining me for today's episode where I have with me Marisa Pick who provides strategic consulting focused on digital transformation, content marketing, social media strategy, personal branding, and we are going to peel the layers on how content marketing should and could work for a small business. I mean, there are so many things that one can do. There is so much noise out there, but let's try to make sense of all of that today. But before we go there, a quick reminder to follow Ace the Sales podcast on your podcast listening app, which is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Ghana, or any other place where you catch your episodes. Because when you do this, it helps us take this podcast and these valuable conversations to many more entrepreneurs just like yourself. So yes, thanks in advance for the follow. Now let's bring Marisa onto the mic. Hello, Marisa. Welcome to Ace the Sales podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to joining and having a great conversation today. Wonderful. So, uh, Marisa, before we get on to discussing so many things around marketing with you, uh, there is a little behind the scenes act we do on Ace the Sales, which is called BTS on ATS, like behind the scenes on Ace the Sales. So, um, these are just some light-hearted fast-paced questions to know the other side of you so is that okay shall we start with a few questions yeah let's do it tell us one thing that we won't find anywhere on your profile social media or website i have been stung by a jellyfish i went on my honeymoon this is over a decade ago and i got stung by a jellyfish and my husband that same day lost his wedding band ooh so i think that's all good luck in some weird world that will have a many years of happy marriage but this was very exciting honeymoon <laughs> <laughs> really made your moment memorable <laughs> it did it started out our life just on a high note <laughs> awesome <laughs> Uh, so Marisa you are a New Yorker right so tell us your favorite food place from the city and what you like having there I love sushi in New York City I'm a huge sushi person so I love sushi on is probably my favorite New York food um and I would say I love ramen also so if there are ramen fans I love a pudo in uh New York City Oh awesome I'm a ramen fan too so good So as a business owner Marisa what does a typical work day look like for you I'd say I wake up in bed next <laughs> to my husband sometimes the kids come in sometimes they don't and I honestly pick up my phone and I check I said start each day by checking my various social networks and my emails like many of us do I feel like I do most of that before I even get out of bed Once my kids are out of the house, it's a lot of answering of emails and making sure that I'm up to date on all the news within the industry. I'm a social media digital marketer, so that world changes very quickly. So lots of just reading and catching up and networking and lots of errands because I'm also a mom too. So lots to do for the kids. 
absolutely that that's a daily balancing act that we need to do as mom as entrepreneurs as working professionals thanks for sharing that uh, marisa so yeah let's uh, get on with the real conversation with you which is all about content marketing because uh, you are a very well acclaimed and recognized marketer in fact uh, you are a marketing insider's top b2b marketing experts to follow on for 2022 and having you on this podcast gives our listeners the opportunity to learn about something which is a hugely usually challenging topic for solopreneurs which is content marketing there are just so many options available out there that the lack of clarity and lack of strategy makes it all very overwhelming very soon so how should one decide which channel of content marketing is best suited for them so i i practice what i preach right so i if you if you look me up which you know i'm sure some of your listeners will i am very active on social media and doing what i preach i am posting i am engaging i'm sharing so you know for those of you that are small business owners or looking at this holistically i'd say step back and look at your traffic and your analytics you know if you are a b2b practitioner and you're working with businesses pinterest probably is not the right place for you to focus if you are a b2c you know you need to be a little bit more strategic about more consumer facing networks so i'd say first of all just do an assessment of your social media and also do a time assessment you know not everyone has the capacity to post on twitter linkedin facebook tiktok instagram it's just you have to be realistic with your time so i'd say start small with content marketing um play around within different networks see what works see what traction you're getting and i love i mean this is not the question but i love bite-sized content that's probably you know, little videos, little gifts, humor within social networks. I think that really can get you some conversation and engagement going quickly. So what are some of the top channels that you recommend for small business owners who have very limited resources to start with? Yeah, so I'd say without a doubt everyone should be on LinkedIn. It's just the most professional network. It's, you know, highly visible. Uh all social media networks are SEO enabled. So if you're searching for something or yourself, the more you put into a social network the higher you're going to come up in google so as much as you can put into linkedin which is where people are they're engaging they're talking and thinking about business linkedin without a doubt um you know if you're more consumer focused i'd probably lean towards facebook i'm a huge facebook believer for business i think many people write it off i think depending on what you're doing and what the message is or what the call to action is it's very viable I also love Twitter. I mean Twitter is my favorite network, so without a doubt like the instant real time of Twitter you, you can't beat that. So, I'd say the big 3, the original 3 and then Instagram if that fits into your business plans, which already makes me tired thinking about all the people that are like I don't have time to do this, it's too much. Yeah, actually that is one of the biggest challenges everyone faces that they tend to spread themselves thin on so many social media platforms and then they are actually not strategically creating content or making themselves visible aligned to what the platform stands for or what kind of content the platform stands for so that is one of the biggest challenges which i also feel that entrepreneurs have but i also feel that there is a difference between content creation platforms which is youtube tiktok blogs podcasts guest posting on publications and then there is 
there are tools and platforms for social engagement, which, like you said, are LinkedIn, FB, Twitter, Insta. Uh, and over a period of time, of course, there is there has been blurring of the lines between the content creation or content distribution. So what do you think? What's the right approach? Whether this differentiation should be there, it should not be there. What's your take on it? So listen, Facebook, visual platform, Instagram, visual platform, Twitter, text-based, but also has images, LinkedIn, professional. You know, you're not posting pictures. Well, a lot of people do post things I don't think should be on LinkedIn. You know, it's like a circle. Everything changes. Everything migrates. People hate things. You know, like Instagram became TikTok over the summer and everyone complained. And so Instagram did a big pivot and changed it again. So I'd say, again... There's no one right answer. I wish I could give you that right answer, but I'd say test and see what works and, you know, like adjust and try. It's, it's a lot of trial and error with content marketing. Like it, not one thing I say would work for every person that's listening into this call. You have to find what works for your business and also what works for you as a person. What are you interested in? Is there a platform that you migrate to? What are you most comfortable in? So I think business owners need to step back and think about it like that. That is a very uh, realistic thing that uh, one needs to assess as to what is their personality, what they feel best when they are doing. Are they a visual person? Are they a text person? Uh, do they like to do videos or not? So accordingly, they can choose the uh, platform and of course, according to the business. What I also uh, see, uh, Marisa, is that there is a huge challenge that people face when it comes to converting from Content. So, of course, content is all about marketing, making the noise, creating the awareness, raising the visibility. But what are your tips as to how content can be made in a way that it sells and converts? Or is it really a possibility to do that? Yes or no? Uh, I mean, of course, it will give a lot of clarity to people who are choosing to get into content marketing and what to expect when they do that. Yeah. I mean, I think really good content can convert. I've set up a lot of paid media campaigns for my clients where they're using a thought leadership piece or a piece of content that's gated. And you can really see, you know, I think when the exchange is there and the value is there and it's good content, you can ask people for as little data as possible. First name, last name, email. I think companies completely ask for too much and people like myself, I get annoyed and I bounce. So I think, yes, good content can help to convert. I think you have to be realistic in what you're putting out. I've worked at companies that gated almost 90% and you know looked for subscriptions. I've worked for companies that didn't gate anything. I've worked with companies that have media that's gated and they try to approach that. So I'd say, you know, keep a balance. I wouldn't have everything gated. I think if you have a gate, again, keep it simple and make sure it's a high, you know, like a quarterly thought leadership piece would be great or some high value piece of content is worth asking for. But I would say if people overdo it, I'd say then your audience often would get irritated. Yeah. So can you give a few examples or uh, uh, how you have worked with your clients, uh, any case studies or uh, a real life example as to what it looks like. Yeah. I mean, we've set up, I have a client right now that has, um, they have a ton of content. They have so much content. It's, it's really crazy, which is a, a blessing, right? Not many of us are in that position. And what we've done is we've tested a lot of paid media where they have a form within the field. So it's already on their website with a download. And then they have content that they're putting on LinkedIn 
where they're promoting the content that's already gated to a wider audience without a gate. And then they're putting content that has absolutely no gate on LinkedIn with a gate. And so they've been able to convert essentially just promoting great content with a very simple call to action and just testing and teasing it up. I'd say, you know, I think people think really inside the box about how to build content, promote content, but a wider audience. I mean, not many of us probably have an extensive budget for paid media, but when applicable, paid media does elevate whatever content that you're trying to reach to an audience. And you can take like, let's say you have an email audience that has not, you've killed them with email. You sent them newsletter after newsletter. I'm a person that responds more on digital channels versus emails. I'm terrible on email. I I self-admit I'm very hard to get on email. I leave it all. And then I come back and I'm like, oh my God, I have to email these. So think about how to take people out of their, you know, what you're pushing at them and engage them in a separate way. So that's where the element of paid media with a custom audience is is really nice because then you can reach the same people a different way with a different message. Hey there, hope you've been loving the episode so far. Just wanted to take a moment to invite you to Ace the Sales Club, which is a tribe of women small business owners who dream, dare and do amazing stuff. If that's you, which I'm sure you are, just sign up for it from the link given in show notes as every month we share with you tools and resources that can save you time, save you money or help you make more money as a solopreneur. So sign up for the club from the link given in show notes. And now back to the episode. So uh, Marisa, taking a segue here, as a marketer, you always have an eye on the latest trends. Okay. So what do you feel about uh, the new thing, which is on the blog, which is audio format? I mean, of course, in US, it is already a mature market, but uh, in places like India, where we are uh, doing or hosting this uh, podcast from, the audio format is still very green, very new. So where do you see podcast is sitting in the entire content funnel for a small business? Yeah, I love podcasts, right? This is this is a way to engage with people that you might not necessarily reach out to in a different format. This to me, a podcast is much easier than you saying, Marissa, you know, I need you to write a blog post and it has to be this many words and it has to be revised. I can hop on and talk all day about things. It's it's much easier. It's much more conversational. And to me, I find it much more engaging and high value. I, th- I think, you know, as different channels like Twitter spaces, I think is now rolling out globally as of today. I'm pretty sure I just saw that come in my email or Clubhouse. I mean, I think back to the beginning of the pandemic when Clubhouse emerged and everyone was so authentic and everyone had the same feeling. We're all trapped in our houses. No one knew what was going on and businesses came on and they just talked about things they knew. So I think there is a huge role for audio. I also think companies that chop up audio in little clips, whether it's an audio clip or, you know, you throw closed captioning over it for key parts or key stats, or you can cut it into a video. I think essentially take the audio and then think about how to amplify it and change the message to a video or to a, you know, closed captioning clip or a quote, a standard quote. I think audio can be a really valuable and a really good asset for small businesses. Yeah, because uh, as a podcaster myself, I have found this medium as a great way to create influence, do networking and build thought leadership. But yes, when it comes to creating such a long form of content, you really need to look at as to how to maximize the reach and impact of it. And like you said, 
chop it up into small bits and pieces of videos or uh, do it as quotes or even pull out a blog post from it and uh, just stuff in some SEO keywords and uh, put it on your website. So you can always repurpose it. But the, another challenge which a lot many people face is that, yes, they are not able to repurpose the same piece of content that they've created. So they are on this hamster wheel of creating more content rather than repurposing and promoting it. So what are your uh, suggestions for those kind of people who are always running on that hamster wheel? I think there's something, there's something to really smart content. Again, I think too many brands are just completely overdoing it. I mean, you know, like podcasts are great. Videos are great. Long form content is great. Blogs are great. Influencers coming in, great. But if you're doing it, like if we did this recording and you hung up and, you know, we never we never get this on social networks and you're not leveraging the people that you have on and their social networks, then where's the reach and the extent? You know, if you're posting and you do something and you create content, you send it to your guests, right? And your guests then post on their network, which then goes to their network and continues to grow and engage I think people really need to slow down with content. I think people completely overdo it. So again, like taking a piece of content, I see no reason why something can't live two, three, four posts with a different message. And again, what I do for clients is I build these monthly content calendars and I hand them to them. And then at the end of this, I have months of content, which then they take and they have as a content library. There's no reason. I mean, some content is timely and relevant and can't be reused. Not often, but if you're promoting a webinar, after that webinar, throw it on demand and continue to promote, throw a gate up in Legion. So I think people just need to slow down with content and think about the life cycle of content and how many times that's being reused. That's a great tip there. Moving back to uh, the time when you started out, Marisa, uh, and uh, going back the going down the memory lane, of what was it for you when you started your business? Because of course, we've talked about how others can grow their business. But what was it like for you when you got into social media and decided to get into uh, social media and become a strategist? So what was it like for you? How did it start? So I had a very interesting start. So I went to university and studied legal studies and I graduated and I worked at a law firm and I was incredibly unhappy with what I was doing. I was working and essentially doing stuff for the bad guys, quote unquote. And I just wasn't into what I was doing. My heart wasn't in there. And I came home and I, my parents lived in Northern New Jersey. So like 10 minutes outside of New York city. And my mother is, was runs a program at a local university. And she said, why don't you move in, you know, come back, do a master's degree and just start over. Think about something completely different. And so I went and I did my master's in public administration and learned about healthcare policy, thinking I'm going to completely change what I'm doing. And I graduated in 2008. And in 2008, if you remember, the world was on fire and there was no jobs and there was nothing to do. And so I said, oh, crap. Now I have loans from grad school. I have no job and I'm living with my parents. So this was like a trifecta of not what I wanted to be doing. My father was president of a media company at the time, and he said, why don't you just come in the city and freelance for me? You know, event marketing, you'll get to learn a new business. And so in 2008, you know, I worked on trade shows and I dealt with people and social media was born around that time. So I went to college in Boston. We got the Facebook as one of the first schools, the Facebook, right? And so I started to see the value of, okay, 
I'm networking with someone online and then they're coming to this event. Let's throw up a Twitter feed in the middle of the event and let's watch everyone just engage and then meet in real life. Let's do a tweet up. Let's do, let's bring in someone that has a lot of followers, aka an influencer. I think I was ahead of my time. But I started to see this conversion of online and offline. And I was really focused on events and really, I loved experiential, just people meeting in real life. And so I instantly knew within my career, I was going to do digital. So I, you know, one of my first roles, I did email marketing. I learned to do some coding. I think it's a good thing I learned to do that. And I stayed there about a year. And then I went into publishing and events. And I started really focusing on just digital. It was so clear to me that this was the future. You know, I was ahead of my time. I just knew digital was going to be what it was. So I grew my brand. I engaged with people. I still talk to people I met when I was, you know, 25 in New York City. So I started my business about three and a half years ago. I was terrified. I was not sure that working for myself was the right thing, but I have a a five and an eight-year-old here at home. So I knew that as a mother, my my priorities shifted and I wanted to have more time to put them on the bus in the morning or go to watch their soccer games on a Thursday. And that's really right now where I am in my life. So I love working for myself. I love working with clients to help them build what they need. So I have so happy I went this route in my life. So, uh, so Marisa, tell me a little that uh, when when one is working for themselves, when they are being their own boss, uh, they are always uh, in this, uh, again, feast and famine cycle. Sometimes they have a lot, many clients, sometimes they don't. So how do you manage that in your business? Because I'm sure uh, with all the recognition you have, the expertise you have, you always have, people lining up in front of you in all at your door that you want your services. But then how do you pick and choose? How do you balance the amount of work that you take on, considering the fact that you want to have time for other part of your life also, your family, your kids? So how do you balance that out? I think if my husband was here, he would just sit and laugh at me with that question. I am, like I said, three and a half years in and still figuring this out. What's too much? What's the right balance? I think you live and you learn, right? I've learned the the pandemic completely changed how I set up contracts and how I build. And I'm constantly trying to figure out how many people I need to be talking to to bring in new business and how long I need a client on and what makes a good client or a bad client. So I'd say at this point in my business, I am really specific about what clients I bring in. I know a lot of my clients, fortunately, have found me directly. I am a huge fan. So for those of you that own your own businesses, my God, you have to network. I network like there's one thing I'm really good at and it's networking. And I network my tush off. I love to have virtual coffees. I love to throw out questions. I love to just engage. I love doing like two to three coffees a week. So I spend time. I mean, my friends say you hustle. I do. I hustle a lot. I do not go with the sales first approach. I just find that really off-putting. I'm not trying to sell you the first time I meet you. And I'm not the kind of person that will ever push something down your throat. I will follow up, but I will not push. So I'd say a lot of balance and networking, but also there are these really great consulting groups that I've been fortunate to find. I'm in three of them right now. And I I really love just, they do content. They They push out content. They do, you know, ongoing education. So a ton of different events. I mean, I don't go to all of it. I went when I had more time, but 
I go to what I want to go to, but having these groups with like-minded individuals, I can ask questions. I can, you know, everyone's in the same thing. We did something on billing once that was like actually life-changing for me. So I'd say it's a constant evolution and a cycle like we've talked about, but hustle, network, and just have fun, right? Life is too short. So you've got to love what you do. Yeah, so important, so important that yes, networking is very, very important for uh, at least for small business owners because uh, that's that's their uh, way to build their sales pipeline, at least build their connections who would further connect them to uh, potential clients. So networking is very important. And yes, loving the work you do day in, day out. That's very important. <laughs> that's true. So Marisa, uh, this, of course, uh, has been a very insightful conversation that uh, uh, you've had with us. One last question, which I always ask my guest is that you, of course, are a very successful and a proud women entrepreneur. But what's your message to other women entrepreneurs as to how they can fall in love with selling? Help each other. I think, you know, we've all grown in our careers and I think we have to empower each other and support each other whether that's taking two minutes to like a post or comment or share or make an introduction or answer an email or just listen if someone looks like they need it. I'd say as women, we have to lift each other up and help each other. And, you know, there's a good quote that it's treat everyone as if they were an intern. So you never know who you're going to meet and you have to make time for people. I, I get so frustrated when I see these women who won't make time who are CMOs or, you know, very senior, and they won't have conversations with people in their office, right? Like I have always walked up to someone probably stupidly when I was younger, but I would say, you know, like, hi, I'm Marissa, introduce myself, like, let's have coffee or let's, you know, run to Starbucks in New York City or do a virtual coffee, right? We're having a virtual coffee. I'm having my coffee here in New York and you're in India. So like, what's so hard about this? We're very blessed to live in this world. So we need to help each other as women and really work together. So important. So important. that uh, That's the way we grow and that's the way others grow. And uh, yes, so important. Thanks so much for this uh, beautiful message. And uh, thanks for the beautiful conversation, Marisa. Uh, wishing you very best. that's a wrap thank you so much for listening to today's episode if you found any value in today's episode then remember to recommend ace the sales podcast to at least one of your business buddies you never know what insight they will get that can help them in their business so do some good karma today finally a loud shout out and thank you to the production team of done for you podcast who helped me in bringing this show to you If you too are looking to start your podcast for the business, get in touch with DFIP from the link given in show notes. Join me in the next episode for yet another conversation that can help you fall in love with selling. Till then, take very good care of yourself. This is your host, Roshni Baronia, signing off. Hold up. 